Um, I absolutely love that. Yeah, human rights, not very interesting. So um, uh, it's great to be here this morning. Honestly, it's so good to be back. And uh, I have had a wonderful time over these last few weeks. And I'm so appreciative to Alex and to the team who've done an amazing job over the last uh, few weeks. So thank you so much. And I've watched on from afar as Be Rich has happened, that, that campaign that we ran to serve our local community and how the team did such an amazing job and how you all responded so amazingly to that as well. So it's been an absolute joy to watch all of that um, going on. And I, have, I, I don't take it for granted, that ability. So we had a couple of weeks holiday and then uh, I was into this four, four and a half weeks or so of study leave, which I tend to do every couple of years, just a chance to take a step back and reflect and think and read and or plan and all of that sort of stuff. So I don't take that for granted. And I'm so grateful for having had that opportunity to do that. And as Alex rightly said, Last week, in fact, this time last week, I was uh, speaking at a church called Regent Road Baptist Church in Freetown, which is the capital city of Sierra Leone, and it's the oldest Baptist church in Africa, and it was started over 230 years ago by freed slaves when they moved back to West Africa, and so it's so humbling. I've been there a few times, spoken there a few times. So humbling to be speaking in that kind of environment, standing in the footsteps of all of those who have gone before. Um, but the reason I'm sharing that with you today, and we'll have a chance to talk a lot more about the stories we from our West African adventure another time, is because uh, after the during the service, and then after the service, and then we, we had a meeting with their sort of team afterwards. They just wanted me to say hi to you all, and they wanted to share greetings from. Uh, our West African friends with all of you here and all of you online as well today. And uh, we have these partnerships, these links now in Sierra Leone with charitable work and with the church there as well. So it's wonderful, isn't it, to, to think about uh, having friends and partners uh, in other parts of the world. And we have a number of them as a church, one of them now in uh, Sierra Leone. And um, we're talking today in this, in this series about being better together, about doing life together. And I love that idea that we are doing life together, not just in a community local to us here in Andover, but with people who join us online now all over the place, and indeed with other parts of the world like Sierra Leone, we get to do life together and cheer each other on. And I love that. And we're going to be talking a lot about that um, this morning. I wonder when uh, you're in an environment, maybe um, it's on a Zoom meeting, maybe it's at work, maybe it's at college or university or wherever you might be, when they announce that it's group project time, how do you feel? When somebody stands at the front of a session like that and says, and now we're going to break into groups to discuss this, I wonder how that makes you feel. I was at a, a session, one of the other things I got to do on so leave, I got to be in America for a few days for a conference, and uh, I went to a breakout session on adult learning and how adults learn. It was really good. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, because the lady doing it made us do weird things at the beginning of the session, and I thought, this is everything I hate about all of this, uh, but it was fantastic, and in fact, some of the ideas and the thoughts from that, we're going to start doing in the way we do our talks and stuff like that. You may even see a little bit of that later on this morning. I promise you I won't break you into groups. But then uh, she said, she said, and now we're going to break into groups, but it needs to be groups with people you don't know. Go and find people you don't know and break into a group. I wonder how that makes you feel. If you'd been in that environment, my heart sunk at that moment. I'm like, oh, really? Do we really have to do that? Some of us are group work project kinds of people. Some of us love that. 
Others of us, as soon as a group project or a breakout group is announced, your heart absolutely sinks and you think, this is going to be the worst thing ever. The worst group project I ever had to do was at university. And it wasn't the fact that they broke us into groups for a term to do a project. It was the fact that the way it was brutally marked. Because what they did is at the end of that, they said, right, we're going to give you as a team a mark. And you get to decide how that mark is divvied up amongst the members of your team based on how much work each of the members did. Can you imagine that? That was a brutal conversation. But no matter how you feel about group work, we all have to concede that we aren't meant to do life alone, that life is a group project. We're not built to do life alone. And this is not to do with whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or your personality, because regardless of your personality, we all need people in our lives. This has got nothing to do whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. It's the same for all of us. We're all in the same boat with that today. Life is meant to be done with other people. And amazingly, I found this article in yesterday's paper. Uh, This is the Daily Telegraph from yesterday. And the article is entitled, Hallelujah, Going to Church Raises the Spirits. And it starts like this. Attending church regularly makes you happier and more optimistic about the future, a new report has suggested. So there's this big survey done of people who go to church and people who don't go to church to assess their mental health. And it says this, over 70% of those who said that their religious background was important to their identity reported having good psychological well-being in the three months before the survey compared to less than half of atheists. That's an extraordinary statistic. And the author of the report says this, while it may be considered unfashionable and outdated, The sense of belonging and purpose that can be provided through religious and spiritual forms of attachment and membership should be better explored by policymakers and practitioners in the sphere of mental health. It's official, and there's loads of surveys that say this, being a part of a community like a church is good for us. It's good for our mental health. It's good for our well-being. And we often say around here things like this. We often say circles are better than rows because this is great. Sitting in a row together or sitting online or whatever it might be, this is great. But it's even better if we go beyond this way of sitting and actually start to do life with people where we can sit in a circle, where we can sit with somebody in a coffee shop or we can sit in a lounge or around a kitchen table or around a dinner table or whatever it might be. Having people in our lives who know what's going on in our life, who know our story, who know our struggles and our joys, and who we can do life with, isn't optional. It shouldn't be optional. Because it makes life better, and it makes us better at life. You know, it is in a relationship that faith is grown, because cultivating faith is a communal activity. Circles are better than rows because there are just some things that you and I, we can't do on our own. Life is supposed to be a group project and you're not meant to do those things on your own. But how do we find that then? How do we find our people? How do we find a community? What should we be looking for those people that we have in our lives to help us with, and what should we be looking to do for other people? Because as we're going to discover, actually, through the course of this talk, it's when we do this for other people that it comes back to us. 
on the times and the occasions where we need it. So to find out how we do it and uh, what we should be doing and who we should be doing it with, we're going to go to an ancient letter in the New Testament part of the Bible, letter to, written to a bunch of people called the Hebrews, probably people living in Jerusalem who'd become Jesus' followers very close to uh, his life and death and resurrection, so some 2,000 years ago. This letter is written to them to encourage them to keep going because they've become Jesus followers and actually it's been going really well and loads of them have been doing that. The message of Jesus has spread hugely and lots of people have started coming to faith, becoming followers of Jesus, but it's gone so well that it started to garner the attention of religious and secular authorities of the day and they don't like it. So they start persecuting them. So people, these Jesus followers, were being put in prison. They were being tortured. And in some cases, they were being killed. And not unreasonably, those people were kind of going, is this worth it? How do we keep going in the face of this persecution that's coming our way? And so the writer, and we don't know who wrote this letter, so I'm going to keep referring to them them as the writer. The writer of this letter to the Hebrews is reminding them about what Jesus has done and why it's worth carrying on, but also saying, if you're going to carry on in the face of this stuff that's going on, if you're going to hold on, here are some things that you need to do together. You need to do together across the community and across generations so that you can stand firm in the face of the struggles. So in this section we're going to look at today, we're going to find three things that we are not meant to do alone, that they were not meant to do on their own, that they needed, that we are not meant to do on our own, and that we need. Things that we need to do for others and we need others to do for us. And as I talk about them, I want to challenge you to be thinking for yourself, do I have people in my life? who do this for me, and who am I doing this for in their life? So we're going to look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10 in the New Testament part of the Bible. But just before we get to chapter 10, I want to tell you what the first nine and a bit chapters of Hebrews have been covering, because it's important information. So the first nine and a three-quarter chapters of Hebrews have been covering how amazing Jesus is. So the writer has been reminding these people why they became Jesus' followers in the first place, why Jesus is so amazing, of the incredible things that Jesus has done, his life and his death and his resurrection. And then chapter 10, the verses that we're going to look at today, start with the word therefore. So the first nine and whatever it is chapters have all been about this vertical relationship that we can have with God because of Jesus, how amazing Jesus is. The first couple of verses we're going to look at summarize all of that and then say, therefore, here's some things that you need to do. So let's look then at Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to look, start at verse 19. So here's the therefore. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. So here we are, two verses summarizing all the, the nine and a bit chapters, ten chapters that have gone before. 
Therefore, because of what Jesus has done, because we can have confidence to enter into the presence of God, the very presence of God, that's what this means, because Jesus shed his blood on a cross, died in our place, and rose again, because of that, Jesus opened a new and living way for us to have a relationship with God. Not the old way that was to do with religious rituals and cleansing and sacrifices and all this kind of stuff. No, no, that's gone. There's a new way of relating to God because of Jesus, because of all of that, We don't need priests anymore because Jesus is the great high priest who's made a way for us to have a relationship with God. Because of all of that, and because you are invited into all of that, here are some things that you need to do. This is the pathway to real life. And as we shall discover, there are three statements. And here, this is what I learned from my adult learning session, that a visual like aid can be really helpful to learning. So I have bought a lettuce because we have now three lettuce statements that are being given to us. This is a really bad joke, isn't it? The people that you've got your head in your hands. There are three lettuce statements of things we need to do in response to the amazing things. I told my daughter last night, because she asked why I bought a lettuce, because <laughs> we don't have them very often in our house. Uh, she asked why I bought a lettuce, and I told her, and she said, that is really bad. Please don't do that. I shall be so embarrassed. She's sitting over here. I'm not looking at her. She's going to be so embarrassed if you tell that awful dad joke. Anyway, but you are going to remember. You are going to remember the lettuce sermon, okay? Three lettuce statements that we need to do in response to the amazing thing that Jesus has done. And they are plural. This is the important point. They are let us. Not let you on your own. Let us do these things. They are plural. Because the best way to grow a relationship with God, wherever you're starting from, whether you'd say, I'm exploring faith, I'm not a Christian, or whether I'm a Christian for years, the best way to grow a relationship to, to God is to plant yourself into a community with others who are trying to figure out how to do life and how to follow Jesus. So the first one, then, of these three letter statements, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and have our bodies washed with water. Let us draw near to God. The result of all that's been done by Jesus, all the amazing things that Jesus has done, is, can be nothing else other than seeking to draw closer to him. That's a natural outworking of a recognition of what Jesus has done. I mean, let's think about this for a moment. Think about something amazing or someone amazing that you love, that you think is just incredible. Aren't you drawn to that thing? It's why uh, Ruth, my wife, and I love keep going back to the Lake District for our holidays because we are drawn to this incredible environment that is so beautiful and we love climbing up the mountains and looking out over it all that we keep getting drawn back there. Because it's so amazing. Think about somebody you admire, a musician, actor, a sports person, whatever it might be. Aren't you drawn to them? You read the stuff about them, want to know about them. It's a natural outworking of somebody or something amazing that you are drawn to it. And it should be the same with Jesus. And I just want to say, if you're not a Jesus follower, you're so welcome, whether you're online or on site. We want to be a place where you can explore faith. But the reason we want to do that It's because we are amazed by Jesus, and we want to introduce you to him. That's our passion, because we have found something so extraordinary and life-giving and life-enhancing and life-enriching in him. We would love you to experience that too. That's why we're passionate 
to introduce you to Jesus. We'd like to introduce you to him. And for all of us, whether we're new to this Jesus-following thing, whether we're exploring faith, or whether we're a Jesus follower for ages, we should be drawn to Jesus. And I want to give you a challenge here. If you don't feel yourself drawn to Jesus right now, you're not looking at him hard enough. Okay, you need to think again, reflect again, read again, watch The Chosen again. You know, that amazing TV series. If you're not feeling drawn to Jesus, you're not looking at him hard enough. He's an amazing person and he draws us to him. And we all need this. And we all need this full assurance that faith brings, right? And it's as we look at Jesus, as we reflect on what he's done, that it builds assurance in us. It builds faith in us. And we need that right now, don't we? An assurance that is rooted in Jesus that transcends our circumstances, The full assurance that faith brings can give a foundation for life, and we get it by reflecting on Jesus and what he has done. But it's so much better if we do that together. Let us draw near to God together. It's why we meet like this. It's why we sing, because we want to reflect on the amazing nature of God and of what Jesus has done. So we need to help each other, and we encourage each other, by the way, by showing up, by being involved, by joining in on the live chat. We encourage each other to draw closer to God and grow in our faith. Growing our relationship with God is a we thing. We do it together. So I just want to pause for a second and ask you this. Who's doing this for you? Helping you draw near to God. And who are you doing this for? Letter statement number two comes in the next verse. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold on to hope. That's the second thing for us to do together. Life is difficult, isn't it? Oftentimes. Circumstances are tough right now. The world feels dark. Holding on is hard. And holding on to hope in the midst of all of that is hard. So we need each other. And interesting, the words here for hold, let us hold, that is a present tense word in the original language. So it's like keep on holding on. This is not something you do once and then you're sorted. You've got to keep on working and encouraging and helping one another to hold on. And unswervingly literally means that which doesn't bend. So how to stand firm and stand upright in the face of all of life's circumstances and not to be moved when things hit us or situations arise. It's encouraging one another to hold on even when we feel like letting go. And I want to say this, don't wait. If you wait to find people who are going to help you hold on When your life is at rock bottom, it'll be too late. You need to find them before you get to that point. It's a proactive thing. If you start looking around when you're at rock bottom for people, oftentimes they won't be there. So you need to work on it now before you get to that point. And it is a proactive thing. Do it for other people and they will be there for you. I've seen this so many times in church life over the 20... 30 years, whatever it is, I've been involved in church leadership. The people who help others to do this sort of thing, when they need it, when they hit rock bottom, they have people around them helping them do it. You know, the best way to ensure you've got people there when you hit rock bottom is to be there for people when they're needing help to hold on. 
So again, let's pause. Who's doing this for you? But more importantly, who are you doing this for? Third and final letter statement comes in verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us spur each other on. Let us consider, literally means let us notice and pay attention to. That means prioritize. Let us prioritize how we might spur one another on. To what, by the way? To love and good deeds. To doing stuff. And again, this is very active. This is not passive. How can we spur each other on to be the people that God has made us to be and longs for us to be, to realize our potential? And to do all of that, we need other people. We need people to push us and to challenge us and to encourage us and to inspire us. And one of the ways we do that is by being together. It should not surprise us. It always amazes me when the world catches up with what God has already known. When you read articles like that Daily Telegraph article saying, oh my goodness me, isn't it amazing that when people gather together in Christian community, it's better for them when they do life on their own. I always imagine God going, yeah, (laughs) no kidding. I've been trying to tell you this for 2,000 years. And this word is interesting here. Where are we? Not giving up meeting together literally means forsake. It's the same word that Jesus used when he was on the cross and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how strong a word this is. Do not forsake meeting up together. So there we are. Three things that I think we all need to do life well to do life together. I think actually these three three things are a great recipe for life. And actually, again, I think you can, if if you say, well, I'm not a Christian, I don't believe this Jesus kind of stuff, that's all great. We'd love to help with that. We'd love to introduce you, all of that I've said. But you could do these three things anyway, and I think it would make life better and make you better at life. But if you are a Christian, then these are kind of commands from God, I guess we would say. So three things that make a great recipe for life. Draw near to God, hold on to hope, spur one another on. Draw near to God, hold on to hope, spur one another on. And they are all plural. Let us do these things together. Life is a group project. And we need to do these things for and to one another. And we really need it for growing faith, because cultivating faith is a communal activity. We need to do these things for others, and we need others to do them for us. And if I can read your minds for a moment, I wonder if you're thinking right now, that's great, but how? Where do I find these people? Maybe you're thinking, I don't have these people. Where do I find them? How do I find them? Here's two key things. Number one, if you show up in the right places eventually you'll find the right people. If you show up in the right places, eventually you will find the right people. If you show up, if you participate, if you come along uh, week by week or you show up digitally on YouTube in the chat or or, uh, on Facebook or however you do that, if you keep showing up, eventually you will find the right people. If you show up and participate, 
If you serve on our dream team of volunteers around here, you'll start to meet people, and eventually you'll start to form deeper connections with some of them. Why don't you try out a connect group, a smaller group of people that meet during the week? Why don't you try that out? And by the way, nobody's going to be offended if you try it out and you say, oh, that's not really for me, and you go try something else. If you keep on showing up, you might not find them straight away, but if you keep on showing up and doing the right things, eventually you will find the right people. And if you start doing this for others, it will circle back to you. It will. So number one, just keep showing up in the right places. Keep doing this for other people. Number two, do stuff. All of this we've looked at this morning is active. Draw near, hold on, spur. All active words. To what? To love and good deeds, the writer to the Hebrews says. You're supposed to do stuff. If you're passive and sit back and wait for this stuff to happen to you, for someone somewhere to do this to you, it won't happen. If you take a step forward and you start looking for opportunities to do this for others... When you need it, it will come to you. And you know, part of doing that is to offer encouragement, not critique. You know, one of the ways that you start doing this stuff for other people, just be an outstanding encourager. Because everybody loves an outstanding encourager. A friend of mine says, be a radiator, not a drain. So radiate life and energy out. Don't suck it out of the room as soon as you walk in. If you offer encouragement, rather, you know, we're being encouraged all the time to offer critique for everything. And it's so dangerous. And we can so easily fall into the trap thinking it's our right to give feedback to everybody on what they're doing. It's not. And it's not healthy for relationships. Be an encourager, and I promise you, you'll find great people. Number two, create, don't commentate. This is something I, you know, we're encouraged to commentate on how other people are doing life all the time. You know, a sports commentator offers an outstanding view of the game, but does absolutely nothing to progress the ball down the field. They're not on the pitch doing the stuff. Create, don't commentate. Don't offer commentary on everybody else's doing life. Create life. Host a connect group. Don't just lead, don't just be a part of one. Offer to facilitate a connect group, not just show up to it and let somebody else do it for you. Be involved and you will create community, not just commentate on life. Now, we want to help with this. It's it's our heart's desire all the time. How can we help? How can we help? How can we help? We hope we've created a really simple way for you to take a step today uh, into all this. And we just want to encourage everybody to do this, by the way. So I'm going to come back in a couple of minutes' time, a few minutes' time, after we've sung another couple of songs and just had a chance to absorb this and to pray and to worship God together and thank God together and just give you a really simple way through a QR code or a piece of paper to just uh, let us know you would like a conversation about doing this, being in community, growing faith in community. We have a wonderful lady on our team around here called Becky, Becky Banks. She's our next steps lead. So she's, she helps us all take next steps in our journey of faith. And she would love to have a conversation with you. And if you just let Becky know your name and your email, she'll get in touch and you can have a very non-pressure, low-key conversation about how we might be able to help and how you might be able to take a step into community. So we're going to talk about how to do that in a few minutes' time. But just before I do that, I want to finish with this. What's our big takeaway for today, apart from now a slightly grotty-looking lettuce because it's been out all morning? What's our key takeaway for today? 
Cultivating faith is a communal activity. Let us do for others and allow ourselves to be done too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus who's done just these amazing things for us, made a way for us to be in a relationship with you, made a way for us to enter in to that relationship with you who's, who just gave everything for us. Lord, help us to respond to what he has done by, by looking to join in together. Lord, help us to see how we can spur others on, how we can help others draw near to you, how we can help people hold on to hope even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. Lord God, we thank you that growing faith is a communal activity. Show us how we play our part in that, we pray, and help us to be the right people for others and to find the right people for ourselves to do life with. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.